Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for this blessed opportunity that we have to be in your house. And Lord, we remember during this season of Advent, those that are grieving, those that are going through hard times, those that are going through lonely situations, Lord. And we pray, Lord, as the God of all comfort, to comfort them and strengthen them in their hard times. Lord, we remember especially the Fish family and Lorraine and all of her relatives, that you would be with them and comfort them during this time of bereavement. Lord, we remember those that are going through sicknesses and, and infirmities. Lord, that you would stretch forth your hand of healing to bring health to them, O oh God. And Lord, we thank you that during this Christmas season we can uh, help so many families in need. Thank you for each one that's participating in the Hampers of Hope program and for all the generous giving. And Lord, we thank you and we pray that you would just bless each hamper and each gift and each parcel of food. Lord, that it would minister to the hearts of those that receive it. And now, Lord, as we look into your word, we pray that you would speak to us. Thank you for the joy that we have in you. Thank you for the supernatural joy that transcends the situations that we go through. And we thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us and, and helping us, Lord, to understand your word. And we commit this time into your hands. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've come to our third week of our series of Advent, and the theme that we want to look at today is about joy. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen, right? So we have a, a measure of joy, I would hope, right? Um, but there's always something that God wants to do um, in our lives. So the title of the message is Good News of Great Joy, which uh, for those of you who have read the Christmas story, are familiar with this Christmas story, this phrase comes from a, a passage in the book of Luke, which we're going to read in a moment. But before that, I just want to share with you a passage, uh, a quote from C.S. Lewis, who is a famous Christian author that wrote a lot of Christian books. And he says here, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, while infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I wonder if that sinks into you to understand the comparison that C.S. Lewis is trying to make here, how that... We seek for pleasure and joy, and we get satisfied maybe with what this world offers, and we're content right here when Jesus wants to take us up here. We're content with something that's just natural, that we can receive in the pleasures of this world, whereas I believe the joy that God gives to us is something that's very supernatural. It's something that helps us even in the most difficult situations of our lives. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, it says, And the angels said to them, this is when the shepherds were in the fields, and they saw these angels, this multitude of angels that came, and they announced to the shepherds, and said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so this was this good news of great joy. There is a Savior there is hope for forgiveness. And I want to speak specifically just for a moment to if there's anyone here, maybe you're, you're, you're a guest with us 
uh, for the first time. Maybe you haven't committed your life to Christ. You haven't decided to make that step and say, Lord, I surrender everything to you. And I just want to encourage you this morning that in this season of Advent, in this season of Christmas, maybe you've been pondering different things. Maybe it's your first time here. But I just want to invite you this morning and challenge you to take up the offer that Christ gives to us, an offer of good news that comes with great joy. And it's something that can radically transform our lives and change us so that it's something like we've never experienced before. This good news of great joy, it's about Jesus. And everything about Jesus is about joy. And he is our joy. I hope for you today you found Jesus to be your joy. And if you haven't, today Jesus wants to become your joy. Maybe today in your life you're, being, you're depressed by the things that are happening in the world. If you just turn on the news, you see so many different things that are going on in the news today. Maybe you're discouraged by your own family situations and things that are going on. And uh, you're maybe not looking forward to this Christmas season because you have to see this person or see that person. Or uh, you might be a little bit discouraged about that. Maybe you're discontent about some health problems that you're going through. Maybe you're just dissatisfied with how people are treating you or you're just your life in general. And that's why the word of God says here is that Jesus came to bring good news of great joy. To come into our lives and bring joy into us. You know, there's uh, people, they seek for happiness in material gain. But how many know that money can't buy happiness? There's so many people that have so many riches and wealth, but they might not be really happy inside. There's a definition I want to give you of joy, and it's actually from John Piper. And he says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world, in the Word, and in the world. And I thought this was a pretty good definition of Christian joy. That it, it's produced by the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Love, then joy and something that's produced in our lives not something that oh i got a nice gift so i'm happy no it's a joy that's produced by the holy spirit it's a joy that overflows in our life because of the holy spirit Uh, ravi zacharias tells a story it's a very interesting story and it highlights a little bit about this joy in the word of god um, and in the 1970s, when he was in Vietnam and he was traveling all over the place there, and uh, he befriended a young man who became his interpreter. And as he traveled in that area, this young man uh, be- uh, came to know more of the things of God. But after uh, Ravi Zacharias left and Vietnam fell and the communist regime was, was taking over, they tried to indoctrinate him with the communist ideology. And as this was happening, he started to, started to think as he was being indoctrinated, maybe everything that I learned and everything that I heard, it's not true. Maybe this Christian faith is not correct. And he started to doubt all of these things. And he was put into a, into a prison because they thought that he was helping the Americans. And as he was in this place and he was starting to doubt and he made a decision one evening, I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to have faith anymore. I'm just going to let all of that go. And he was assigned to clean the, the toilets and then when he went to clean the toilets, he found, as he was cleaning the toilets, he found a piece of paper that was not good to look at outwardly, but he saw some English writing there. And as he took that piece of paper and as he wiped off the, uh, uh, the, the dirt on it, um, you know, he, uh, he, he read it. And you know what it was? It was Romans chapter 8. 
And he started reading from Romans chapter 8 and that portion there that specifically says how God works all things together for good to those that love God. And he, and he started to weep and cry and repent. And he said, Lord, I believe in you. And he cried out to the Lord. And he found the Lord that evening. So much so that he went back to his, the, the, the guards there and, and he asked for toilet duty. He asked that he could clean the toilets because what he found out was that there was a soldier that was using pages of the Bible as toilet paper. And as he was using these, and so he would go there and he would find these pages of the Bible and he would clean them off and he would read them. I tell you, that's joy in the scriptures. How many of us would do that? We have maybe like 10 Bibles at home and then another 20 on our phone or our tablet. But see the joy that he had in the word of God. And I want to challenge you this morning as well. Can we find joy in Jesus? Can you see the beauty of Christ in his word? This good news of great joy in the word of God. Christ came into this world to die on the cross in order to redeem us, to forgive us of our sins, to grant us eternal life, grant us eternal joy. Luke chapter 1 and verse 47 says, this is Mary, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Last week we looked a little bit of, at the crisis situation that Mary and Joseph were in, but even in the midst of that, what did she say? My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She was able, even in the midst of that situation, to rejoice in God. Matthew 2 verse 10 says, when they saw, this speaking about the wise men, and as they were traveling, and they wanted to see this, the, the birth of, this, of, of Jesus, of the Christ. And it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I don't know, how about, how about us? Do we rejoice with exceeding great joy? We say, oh, yeah, Jesus is born. Or do we rejoice with exceeding great joy? If I were to tell you today, I have a check. I have a few checks of a million dollars each. They're out in the welcome desk after the service. Just make your way over there and, and, and pick it up. How would you feel right now? Oh, I'm so excited. Pastor Daniel, can you finish the message right now? I'm just forget finishing the message. I'm going out right now. Right? And you'd be, we'd be so excited. We'd get, we'd get happy. We'd get joy. Oh, there's a million dollars waiting out there for me. But I want to tell you something. What Jesus offers is way better than a million dollars. And if we can get excited about something like maybe a million dollars or some gifts at Christmas or this or that, and again, I'm not saying anything wrong with those things, but what I'm trying to say is that as C.S. Lewis said, we get so complacent and we get down here and we just say, this is good enough for me. This is enough pleasure for me. This is enough joy for me, what the world can give to me. And he's saying, you have no idea what God can give. We just joy and rejoice with the things that we have. And I have a nice house and a nice car and I have this and that. And again, I'm not saying anything that's wrong with that. But we can become so content with those things that we lose the great glory and joy that Christ offers to us. Good news of great joy for all people. So much so that the wise men, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. How many of us can come to that place? And I, I want to just speak to you a little bit about a few things this morning. Five things. Incomparable, irrefutable, indestructible, invincible, indescribable joy. That's the kind of joy that God wants to give to us. And it's a joy that transcends what we can feel here by the things of this world. In John chapter 15, 
We read about how Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. We read about how Jesus says, abide in me. And he talks about us as the branches abiding in the vine, receiving life from him, receiving strength from him. And that's the first part of John 15. And if you come down to verse 11, then Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you. I've talked to you about all of these things, about abiding in me, you know, uh, bearing fruit in me, that if you stay in me, you'll, you'll be in my presence. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. My joy, Jesus says, may be in you and your joy may be full. You know, sometimes we can always be people that are wanting more. We receive this and we receive that and we say, well, how about this other thing or how about that other thing? We're always praying to the Lord. We pray these gimme, gimme prayers to the Lord. Lord, gimme this and gimme that. And maybe even at the Christmas time, you know, we say, the kids might be saying, well, I want this thing for Christmas and I want that thing for Christmas. But here Jesus says, he says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy, my joy may be in you. And if it's my joy, then what happens? Your joy will be full. Any other joy, it will not fill us up. But here it says, my joy might be in you, and your joy will be full. There's so many things you can, that we can, we can be unhappy, we can be discontent, we can get discouraged or depressed. I don't know what situation that you're, you are in today. Maybe today you're feeling like uh, you're, you're unsatisfied. You know, there's so many good things in the world. You can marry a, a beautiful wife and you can marry or marry a hu- handsome hus- husband. Only God can make that man a godly person or that woman a virtuous woman. You know, you can have so many children, but only God can make them a godly seed. You can have so many comforts in this world and we can have so many good things and cars and houses and all of these things. Again, there's nothing wrong with these things, but only God can make us comfortable. We can have so many uh, riches in this world and so much money and so much wealth and all of these things we can have, but only God can make us rich in eternity. We can have so many friends and we can be famous and well-known and people can say so many nice things about us, but do you know what? There's only a, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother and his name is Jesus. We can be wise and smart and intelligent and know so many things in this world and, and have so much understanding, but... Only Christ can give us the true wisdom and knowledge that's held in him. And we can accomplish so many things in this world. But only Jesus can change our character for eternity. And again, these are not negative or bad things. These are, these, these are good things. But my question to you is, where is our joy found? Is it found in people, in, in friends, in relatives, in money, in jobs, and in possessions? Well, all of those things can change in a moment's time. And all of those things can fade. People can, people can fail us. But if our happiness, if our joy is based and rooted in Christ, then that fundamental thing never changes. And then our joy doesn't change either. It's incomparable joy. It's a joy that God gives us that's not comparable to anything else that we can experience in any other relationship, in any other physical possession, in any other status of life. We cannot understand this greatness of joy that God gives to us in comparison to the things of this world. Don't be satisfied and content down here when Jesus gives us so much up here. It's incomparable. Now, in this verse, it says, my joy. What was Jesus's joy? He says that my joy may be in you. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, in this verse it says, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what was this joy that Jesus had that helped him to endure, endure the cross? It was the joy to know the finished work of Calvary, that after he endures the cross, after he, despi- after he goes through all that shame and dies, that there would be a way for mankind, for you and me, to come to the presence of God to come and have fellowship with God. There's a, a way that's made so that we can call unto the Lord and we can pray and we can seek him and he can forgive us of our sins. But also it says here, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I believe another joy that Jesus had was to be reunited with his father. To experience that presence of his father once again. Because for a moment when he was on Calvary and when he was on the cross, the father had to turn his face away. Just for a moment of time when the sins of the whole world came upon Jesus. And I really believe Jesus was looking forward to that with joy. I don't know how many of you, maybe you're having friends or relatives come and visit you during the uh, the Christmas season. Maybe there are people coming from far away, from, from Australia or from England or from other places. And maybe you're looking forward to seeing them. Maybe your children or your parents or, or close relatives. And you're looking forward to them. And you're in, in great anticipation. And when you see them, what happens? There's a great joy. Oh, I haven't seen you in years. Oh, it's so nice to see you again. And there's a joy in, in, in family gatherings at Christmas time, a great joy that's there. And I think Jesus experienced that when he, when he went back to the right hand of the Father, to sit down with his heavenly Father on the right hand of the throne of God. And there was joy that was there. My question to, to you today is, do you have that same desire? Oh, I'm longing, I'm waiting, I'm wanting to fellowship with God. The psalmist talks about that in so many different places. And he, he talks about the longings, the desires that he has. He, he says, as the deer is, is longing after the water, so my soul, oh God, longs after you, desires you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart. The psalmist says, one day in your house is better than a thousand elsewhere. He said, I have this one desire to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in God's temple. How many of us have that, that same joy, that, that joy that maybe Jesus had? Oh, I want to be with my Father again. I'll endure all of these things, but I'm going back to my Heavenly Father. And how many of us, we're longing for that fellowship, longing for that presence in our lives. Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I don't even think we, we can comprehend how great this is. When we get to heaven, I think we'll find out a, a, a lot more about this. But as I mentioned in the first quote from C.S. Lewis at the beginning, we get so content with things down here. and We, we, we joy in, in, in temporal and material things down here. Again, I'm not saying there's anything particularly wrong with that. It's nice. We get a nice gift. Praise God. Right? But what I'm trying to sh- share with you this morning is the joy that Jesus gives that's not dependent on all of these other things. And it just transcends the things of this world. And it just takes us to another level in God's presence. It's incomparable. Incomparable. Irrefutable joy. Right? Irrefutable joy. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 to, six to 9. It says, In this you rejoice... Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. How many of you maybe are in this situation? You're grieved by various trials. 
so that the tested so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not, know, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy. That is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Maybe today you're in the house of the Lord. You're going through a really hard trial. Maybe you know somebody that's going through a very difficult trial, but you see in the midst of their trial, you see a joy, you see a happiness. I don't know, maybe has anyone here, you've experienced that, or you know somebody that's gone through that? They've gone through a very difficult situation. But in the midst of that, there is a joy that's there, that's helping them along, that's keeping them in the presence of God, that's keeping them in love with Jesus. And here Peter is talking about that when he says, in this you rejoice. Though now for a season you're going through trials. He's not making it independent. He's not saying, okay, there's a time of trial and then there's a time of joy. No, he's saying while you're going through this trial, you can still rejoice. And that is an irrefutable joy. You can't go to somebody and say, what's happening? You're going through this. You see somebody, you're saying, you're going through such a difficult time. How come you're still happy? How come I can see the joy in you? That is irrefutable. That is a supernatural joy that God gives when we go through difficult times and trials and problems and sicknesses and loss of job and problems in the family. It's a supernatural joy that God fills us with by his spirit. And it changes us. It transforms us. And you see somebody like that and you say, that person has joy. That person has the joy of the Lord. It's irrefutable. You know, there's a story of a missionary. His name is Adoniram Judson. And he was the first Protestant missionary to, uh, America, from America. And he read about the, the work of William Carey, who was another missionary. And he desired to make a difference. He went to Burma. After six years of laboring in Burma, do you know how many souls he won to the Lord? Do you know how many people decided to walk with the Lord after six years of laboring? A total of zero. After six years. He went through so much hard times. His son died after eight months. He dug the grave to bury his own son. Now, if that doesn't cause doubt in your mind whether God is with you, I don't know what does. He dug the grave and buried his own son in that land. He was put in prison for 17 months. He endured all of those things. And when he passed away, at the end of his life, there were 7,000 baptized Burmese Christians, 60 churches, 150 missionaries, including native pastors, and a Burmese Bible. And he wrote this on one book, this quote that I have there, on a book that he used to tra- uh, tra- translate the Bible into Burmese. He said, in joy or in pain, our course be onward still. We sow on Burma's barren plain. We reap on Zion's hill. Dear people of God, friends, in joy or in pain, there is something that pushes us forward. It helps us to go along. It's that supernatural joy that God gives to endure the trials, 
and the suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10. Here Paul is listing so many different paradoxes, you could say, in this Christian life. And he says, and talking about his ministry. And he says, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold, we live. As punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. It's not two distinct times. It's not, I'm sorrowful today. Talk to me tomorrow. Then I'll be happy. No. As sorrowful but yet always rejoicing. So many times in the book of Philippians we read about Paul saying rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again I say rejoice. And he talks about this joy in the Lord. Indestructible joy. A joy that cannot be destroyed. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 11 and 12 it says blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Anyone here like that in that situation? You know there are so many of our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world in different countries that are going through persecution for the sake of Christ and maybe we'll have to go through that as well but here Jesus says rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There are times in our life when maybe we will be mistreated, when we will be uh, uh, spoken of badly, but it cannot destroy our joy. He says you rejoice and be exceeding glad. Rejoice and be glad. Maybe people are speaking evil about you right now for your Christian walk. Rejoice in the Lord. This indestructible joy is found in a widow in India whose husband was beaten to death by a mob because of his conversion to Christianity and is now left without the means to make a living and without a gentle hand of her lifelong friend. But she reads through the Psalms every day and finds hope in Christ. This indestructible joy is known in the heart of a 10-year-old boy in Nigeria who witnessed the brutal slaughter of his family and is now left to fend for himself, but bravely declares, Christ is my Savior, I will follow him. This indestructible joy is understood by the pastor in Pakistan who lost his wife in a recent attack on their church and struggles to explain to his children why his faith is so important to him. And with tears in his eyes and a smile on his face, says, we will be with her again one day. This indestructible joy is found in the experience of a 24-year-old woman named Martha who postponed her marriage in order to smuggle Bibles into a restricted nation at great risk to her health and life. She was ultimately executed for her actions. Indestructible joy. Doesn't matter what situation you're going through. Doesn't matter the persecution that you're going to face. That joy, it transcends what this world can give us. It helps us to live the life that God has called us to live. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. I love this verse, right? It says here, don't be surprised at the fiery trial. Don't be like, God, why am I going through this trial? Why is this bad thing happening to me? But he says here, don't be surprised when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But what does the apostle say? He says, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 
Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice in the sufferings. It's indestructible joy. It doesn't matter what comes against us. I will joy in the God of my salvation. It doesn't matter what we face. God's joy is something that can transcend the trials of this life. Invincible joy. Something that cannot be overcome. In the book of Habakkuk, it's a small little book in the Old Testament. Sometimes we often don't get to it very often. But in this book of Habakkuk, near the end, the last portion, it says here, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the, uh, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet what does he say? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. Now, some of this doesn't maybe relate to us. You might not have like, you know, fig trees growing in your backyard or vines growing, you know, there. So let me maybe put it in a little modern day terms. Though my marriage is failing and my kids are rebelling and the employer is cutting jobs and it's difficult to pay the mortgage and my health is failing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my soul. How can we do something like that? That's why it's something that's supernatural. Good news of great joy to all people. Jesus is our Savior. I can trust in him. Last week we talked a little bit about the sovereignty of God and how we can have supernatural peace in our lives knowing that God is in control. And we can have supernatural joy in our lives knowing that God is in control of my life. It doesn't matter if everything is falling apart in my life, but I can rejoice and know that I am saved and I'm a redeemed child of God and that the Lord is with me. My joy is in him. My peace is in him. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. It's it's definitely not. It's not an easy situation. But we can go to the Lord And we cannot, just as that first definition of of what joy is, it's produced by the Holy Spirit. Let it be a fruit in our lives, part of the fruit of the Spirit. Let joy be produced in our lives. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, they were going through a hard time and Nehemiah trying to encourage them. He said, don't be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Indescribable joy. A joy that you can't describe with words. Matthew 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. I don't know about you, but I want to see what's in that field. This guy, he went and he went to this field. He he found something amazing, wonderful, great, unmatched, indescribable. And he said, forget it. Everything I have doesn't match up to this one thing. Everything I own doesn't match up to this one thing. I'm going to sell everything I have and I'm going to go and buy that. In Romans, it talks about the kingdom of God, that it's righteousness, it's peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. It must have been a very amazing treasure. This is a parable that Jesus told. And you know, when Jesus was walking on this earth... He called some disciples, and they left their nets, they left their fishing jobs, they left this job and that job, and they followed Jesus. 
And wouldn't it have been amazing to travel with Jesus? Wouldn't it have been amazing just to see the miracles, the great things that were happening? That Jesus was healing people. The blind were seeing. The deaf were hearing. The dumb were speaking. The dead were raised. The multitudes were fed. The Lord was walking on the water. and He was commanding the winds and the waves to stand still. What excitement. Wouldn't you want to follow Jesus if he's doing all of those things? Would you be willing to give away all of those things that you have and follow Jesus because of that? But let me tell you, when the disciples left whatever they had to follow Jesus, it was before Jesus did all these miracles. It was before Jesus did all these great things that we want to say, oh, wow, I wish I could see those things. But God gave them indescribable joy. What a treasure. And it just extends to eternity. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21, it says, and this is another parable, it says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master or enter into the joy of your, of your Lord. This just extends into eternity. The joy that God gives us. Wouldn't you love to hear those words from the mouth of Jesus? Well done, good and faithful servant. Come in. To the joy of your master. Imagine what that day would be like when we come into that joy of Jesus at thy right hand. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Can you imagine what that day would be like when you, when you leave this world and you step into eternity. You wake up and you see the glory of God. The love of Jesus. And you see and you feel the joy of, the, of your Lord. Don't be satisfied with what this world has to offer. But see what Jesus has to offer. Good news of great joy to all people. Because Jesus is born. And he's made a way for us to come into his presence. I'll tell you one more story and we'll just close with this. And it's the story of a man named C.T. Studd. Let me go back a little. I want you to read that ahead of time. This is a story of a man named C.T. Studd. And um, he was a famous cricket player in England. And he had so much wealth, and he was very famous. And what he did was um, the Lord was calling him to be a, a missionary. And uh, it would be sort of like somebody famous who's a famous sports player here, maybe like somebody like a LeBron James or a Steph Curry saying, forget about basketball, I'm going to go to China to be a missionary. It would be something like that, where he was a famous cricket player in England, and he left all of those things, and he said, I'm going to be a missionary, and I'm going to China. And he had, he had a lot of wealth. He came from a wealthy family, and he gave away all of his riches. And when he turned 25, he had a large inheritance, and he gave that away, but he kept 3,400 pounds, okay, English, English money. He kept that for his wedding day. And when his wedding day came, he told his wife, he said, I've saved this amount of money for our wedding. And his wife looked back at him and said, what did God tell the rich young ruler to do? And he said, sell everything and give to the poor. And she said, so why do you have this money then? And he gave that away. And he went to China to be a missionary. He was part of the Cambridge Seven, a famous group of missionaries. And he, was, and he went and he labored in, in, in China for many years. He was there for about 10 years. He came back to England with poor health. God called him to go to India. He labored in India for about six years. And he came back, to, came back to England. When he was in England, he was about 50 years of age at that time. 
And you might think, yeah, you know, he's done his job. He's going to, you know, sit back and relax now. Right? There's, you know, he went to China as a missionary. He went to India as a missionary. Now, let him be comfortable. But God called him when he was about 50 years old to go to Africa and to be a missionary there. He suffered from malaria, dysentery, heart attacks. He preached the word of God for about 8 to 18 hours every day and died at the age of 70. And before he passed away, this is what he wrote in his diary. As I believe I am now nearing my departure for this, from this world, I have a few things to rejoice in. The, these are the, they are these. Number one, that God called me to China, and I went in spite of utmost opposition from my loved ones. Number two, that I joyfully acted as Christ told that rich young man to act. Number three, that I deliberately, at the call of God, went alone on the Bibi liner that was a ship in 1910 and gave my life for this work in Africa, which was to be henceforth not for Sudan only, but for the whole unevangelized world. My joys, therefore, are that when God has given me a work to do, I have not refused it. He found joy in Jesus. He found joy in the presence of God. He found joy in everything that he did for the Lord. And this joy that's incomparable, irrefutable, indestructible, invincible, indescribable, it all started about 2,000 years ago when the angels announced and declared there is good news of great joy to all the people. It's for you and for me. Good news of great joy. This joy that God gives. Let's not just be muddling around in the mud, but let's see this incomparable, irrefutable, indestructible, invincible, indescribable joy that God wants to give to us. God bless you. Jesus, you're the center my joy All that's good and perfect Comes from you You're the heart Of my contentment You're the hope for You're the center of my joy. Jesus, you're the You're the compass for my
Dear friends, 